I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The producers of this podcast recognize the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. Mean 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 teenager teenager mean teenager Hello, it's Madeline West here, back again on Mean Ages. I'm here with my gorgeous friend Angela Murray. We've got a fabulous question this week. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, this is one that all parents I'm sure are dreading. My teen's watching porn. Is it dangerous? Is it as bad as I think it is? Please help. Oh. <laughs> Nothing like some poor masturbation <laughs> and, and sex you... to make us uncomfortable. <laughs> With your 13-year-old son, what a conversation starter. Oh, let's face it. No matter what age someone starts that conversation, we're all going to feel a bit uncomfortable. We're all going to qu- cringe because the fact is they're all doing it. I mean, pornography is everywhere. There's the nasty free stuff. There's the slightly more classy stuff that you might have to pay for. But it is, for so many young people, their first access to understanding what their body is doing and the changes they're going through and the unusual urges they're suddenly feeling. But is porn, for an adolescent mind, is it dangerous? Well, I'm just going to just reflect back on what you just said. That was their first access to what their sexuality is. Isn't that terrifying? I don't know how many of you watched porn, but the stuff that pops up straight away that the kids are going to access generally is violent. Yeah. Generally is dismissing of others' feelings and needs. It's and very mechanical. About getting the orgasm. Yeah. And that is it. And a grandiose orgasm and often for female participants in quite a demeaning way. In a very demeaning way and a really unrealistic presentation of sex. And the human body. Of the human body. Of what females even look like, what they enjoy and of what men should look like and what they should do to females. Yeah, the expectation of how they should perform Mm. in a, inverted commas, loving relationship. (laughs) Or to be a good sexual partner. I mean, it's pretty obvious that for young adolescents watching porn, there's a chance that they're going to develop unhealthy attitudes towards sex and body image and that they're going to receive some pretty bad information about what sex looks like. So are there any positives? Well, I don't know if there's positives per se. There's definitely better porn than the bad porn. Is there? There's better 
pleasure porn. It's, it's definitely great better porn. porn. That is more inclusive of, I guess, gender norms, people's needs, sensuality, and I guess it's a bit more arty porn. And that's coming more and more and more. And this isn't a conversation about how we find our teenager the best porn to watch, but it's just really highlighting that society is accepting that porn is part of the culture mm. and is trying to make something that is actually more beautiful and more representational of yeah. what sex and sensuality is. But so let's face it, when you're 13, you've just found out your 13-year-old's watching porn, that's not the first thing you're going to think. No, and they're not going to come to you and go, Mum, what's your PayPal account? Just thought I'd, I'd get some classy porn <laughs> as opposed to the nasty free stuff. <laughs> but a conversation has to happen. Yes. It's a really delicate topic for both you and the adolescent. Mm. They're already going to have shame about it. Mm. They're going to have shame. They're going to have these beliefs that it's wrong or uncomfortable. And what we really want is for the adolescent to feel comfortable to come to you if they continue to watch porn, if something that they see makes them uncomfortable and they want to talk about it. What we want them to do is understand that they're actors. Yes, and it's like, a performance. It's a performance. And any other movie, like a horror movie, the girl getting her arm sawn off looks like she's in extreme pain, but she's just acting. And that's what we want to communicate to them. It's not that you are bad for watching it. Mm. Please understand what you were watching. Yeah, please see it as just another type of movie genre with paid actors and artificial feelings. And I can only assume that you must see people come into your clinic who have learned to attach shame to sex overall because perhaps they're porn watching or they've been caught watching porn and that's been seen as a shameful a shameful act. I actually haven't had any kids that have been busted watching porn. I think kids are quite good at hiding their behaviours <laughs> from their parents. But I do get kids that are really curious about sex and porn and because their parents have never brought it up with them and never discussed it, never talked about their own relationship or how they met their partner or the first age they had sex, the kid assumes that it's an uncomfortable topic and the parents don't want to talk about it. So they come into the office to a random person that has no emotion, well, no blood relation to them or yeah. no outside school relation, no outside office relation, and ask about porn and talk about what is it, is it bad, is that what I need to be like in sex, how much should I be watching, should I be watching it with my girlfriend, do I tell her I'm watching porn? Mm. And just a huge, like a real never-ending pit of curiosity, these teenagers. They just are so wired to want to know what's happening in their bodies, yeah. what's happening in the world and who they are and if what they're doing is okay. And even if they haven't watched porn, if they've never had a conversation about it and they're just guessing mm. what it should be like and guessing how perfect they should be and how wonderful it should feel, they're still going to get, I guess, a little bit disappointed with themselves or at least discouraged or anxious or nervous. Mm. But it's going to be a more challenging experience if we've never spoken to them. Yeah. And there's something that I can't remember who said it, but it really always has always stuck with me. And it's if we want our kids to come to us with hard questions when they're scared, we have to be the kind of person who has hard questions even though we're scared. <sighs> We have to be the parent that 
has the conversation. And there's ways to have the conversation that are less horrifically awkward than other ways. So what's an example? Um, How do you make it easy? Okay, so what you don't do is you don't say, okay, let's schedule a time to sit down and talk about porn and sex. (laughs) (laughs) That's like saying let's schedule a time to have a really really painful root canal, shall we? Yeah, Yeah, okay, I'll I'll tell you what, I'll be putting that appointment off time and time and time again. (laughs) Pretty sure my kids would choose a root canal (laughs) rather than talking to me about porn and sex. Uh, Wouldn't we all? (laughs) So it's not making it a big deal Mm -hmm. and you want to keep it serious because it is a serious topic, porn and sex. So you don't want to, like, shame them by making jokes and laughing Mm. even though you're uncomfortable. You want to be light, so you want to be able to talk about it up. Don't worry, I was an adolescent before, you know. I know that's uncomfortable for you to hear, but I've done some of the things that you're thinking about doing. Yep. And that's going to mortify them. But the environment you do it in is going to be really important. It can't be the sole focus. It'll be too overwhelming for both of you. So you're suggesting it while you're doing something else. Absolutely. Going for a drive somewhere um, that has an end point to the journey, washing the dishes, um, you've just finished watching a show and you're both sitting sort of side by side on the lounge and there's ways to lead into it. You don't have to say, so I know you're watching porn. Oh, God. And watch your child shrivel and die and try <laughs> yeah. to sink into the floor. Yeah, their defences have come up. They're no longer hearing mm. you. They are in the pit of doom. Yes. And it will take a while to come out of the pit of doom. So it's sort of saying, oh, you know, I was speaking to my friend the other day and she said that, you know, her son came to her and he would, was telling her that we'd watched some porn and it was a bit a bit confusing and, you know, a bit strange, but he kind of liked it. It's just wondering, you know, have you watched any porn? Because mm. it's pretty normal. 97% of teenagers will have seen porn by the time they're 15 years old. So it's really just saying, look, everyone does it. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you have because there's a few things I'd like you to know about it because it can be a really confusing space. I had a friend who's always had a really open relationship with her teenagers and always allowed them to speak about it. She talked about sex quite openly. It's like, oh, you know, do you like girls? Do you like boys? Like what is it that Mm. you're oriented towards? Because, you know, I've got no judgment here. I'm just really curious, Mm. you know through my life or whatever, I've had this and that and the other and sort of just being really quite fluid with sexuality with them, just chatting yeah. about it, chatting about the kids in their grade that were sort of non-gender, you know, or gender neutral or yeah. whatever it is. And so this kid came to her. He hadn't had sex at this point and he came down and he said, Mum, I've just watched something and I'm not sure how to figure out what I'm feeling because it's really kind of uncomfortable but I didn't turn it off. Ah. And she just was just like, I am just so grateful that you came to me. And as a parent, like that is the ultimate goal that we're moving towards. We're not trying to get them to not watch porn. We're not trying to get them to not have sex. We're not trying to get them to not drink alcohol because all of that is unrealistic goals and we're setting ourselves up to feel like failures and to worry all of the time. So our goal is to make it okay. Yeah. To have discomfort and talk about it. Make it okay to have great feelings and talk, and talk about, about it. it. Yeah. You know, you might walk in on your child masturbating. That's a whole nother topic. But to just close the door, apologise, and then a later date normalise it and say next time you're doing that, just lock your door. Mm. 
you want to ask me any questions, that's totally fine, but it's completely normal. And, you know, I don't have any, I'm sorry if you felt ashamed when I opened the door and I looked shocked, but sometimes I forget you're growing into an adult. Yeah. Oh gosh, what a beautiful way to handle it. And is there a point where there's too much information in terms of what you give a teen? So if you're using your own experience um, as a guide to make them feel reassured, can you edit? What we have to decide as parents is do they need that information or what information are we hope? what are we hoping they learn out of the information I provide them? Mm. And if my first experience of sex, I felt overwhelmed and I didn't feel ready for it, it's saying my first experience of sex, I felt overwhelmed and I didn't feel ready for it. What I wish, but I did it because I thought I should or because I thought mm. the boy really needed me to or I'd get in trouble. And it's talking about that component because it doesn't matter if that happens at 15 or 16 or 17 or 18. If they're having sex and they don't feel ready for it because they think they should, that's the conversation we need to be having, yeah. not what age. Obviously, it's good to talk to kids and say, well, the legal age is 16 and that's for a reason because of our cognition development, because of our sense of self and our capacity to make decisions and evaluate risk. And that's a general guideline across the board. And I didn't make that up yep. as your bad parent who's very controlling. <laughs> you know, and won't let you watch porn. And won't let you watch porn. Unless it's the classy stuff that you pay for. <laughs> but it is. It's just really sometimes leaning on the, you know, the overarching rules. Yeah. It's just like, well, the rule is that we don't have sex before we're 16 because you're considered a child. Yes. And you're not quite there yet. But if you do... I really want you to come to me so we can figure out how you're feeling and what yep. you need. You mentioned earlier that there is nasty, nasty free porn out there, which is going to scar kids mm. and in, introduce them to a sexual world which is not helpful or healthy for anyone. Is it okay for a parent to offer to buy some classy, tasteful, beautiful porn for their child? Look, it will depend on your family's openness of communication. Mm -hmm. Like you'll really want that to be in good stead before you do that. Yeah. Um, and it would depend, I guess, on the age of the child. But it would be, I think it's useful to kids. It's like movies as well where they see intimacy and connection and sexual arousal and satisfaction without even intercourse. Mm. You know, it's teaching them that you, just because you can't have sex straight away, or you don't need to have sex straight away to be a sexual being. Yes. I think that's a really important message and porn doesn't provide that. And for our mm. teenagers to learn that and to learn that their bodies give them pleasure. Mm. And I think that masturbation should be spoken about in that way too. You don't need somebody else to do that. Well, it often it's the first opportunity for someone to understand what they like, that for so many people who suffer sexual dysfunction later in life, the first port of call is often, well, learn self-love to touch yourself and better understand what, what makes you excited, what things you don't enjoy. And yet when for our teenagers, it seems to be such a, a, a so shameful. Well, it's a real taboo. And we can, as parents, can like make or break that um relationship with their sexuality if we accidentally bust them masturbating mm. and go, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, everybody yeah. stop. Why are you in the bathroom for half an hour five times a day? <laughs> this is just not okay. It's <laughs> disgusting. You know, we could 
really create some significant disruptions to their relationship with sexuality. Mm. The thing is with porn and masturbation is if they're doing both of those things and you notice that that's actually being paired together or even suspect that it is, which is likely, it's having the hard conversation where masturbation is fine. If you watch a little bit of porn, be really careful that you know what you're watching is, you know, and all that Mm. and can have a really good consent conversation, which we'll probably do in another podcast because it's quite a big one. But it's coming back to saying if you pair a visual stimulus to get your arousal every time and that's how you're masturbating and gaining pleasure, you're actually going to reduce the arousal that you experience and your capacity to be aroused in sexual relationships with other people. Yeah. And it's a really complicated realm but it is just about the way the brain works and if we have a high level stimulus repeatedly then anything less is going to dull that rest of that response and explaining that to them yeah and saying you know we really you've got an imagination you know you've got your body sometimes just rely on that so to touch on the the one of the first parts of the question from mm-hmm. our lovely listener, and we, we're nearly running out of time, so I think we're going to dig into this deeper next time, but just as an opening up of this topic, mm-hmm. what is the best way to start the conversation with your kids about sex? Oh, about sex per se. Well, sex is pretty much the same as porn. Mm. Don't schedule a meeting. Don't tell them about all your sexual stories because they're going to be disgusted <laughs> imagining <laughs> their parent having sex. But open it up as normal. Just say, look, I know at some stage you're going to start having girlfriends or boyfriends. Yeah. I know you're going to start exploring your body and you're going to feel attracted to things and not. Mm. And you're going to be curious. I'm okay with that. I've been a teenager. It's going to be uncomfortable us talking about it, but I'm okay with the discomfort. And I always am here no matter what the question is. We'll be back next week with more Meanagers, but you can keep the conversation going by joining us on Instagram. We're Meanagers Podcast. You'll find a link in the show notes and in our bio to help you leave a voice message about your Meanager troubles so you can be part of the show. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.